Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I dig this. I dig the new intro music, I have to say. Welcome to this, the Red Bull Podcast. Risk made me do it. I'm your host, Andreas Georges, and this week we got another preview podcast. And to bring you this preview podcast and next week's conversation, we traveled up to San Francisco to the picturesque South End Rowing Club, a swimmers and rowers club that sits on the shores of the San Francisco Bay. It's comprised of a dock and a boathouse that's been around for more than a century, and it smells of rope and, and sea air. It feels like another time, a uh, throwback to pre-Silicon Valley San Francisco, before the fleece-jacketed denizens of the digital age overran the town in their Teslas, wielding their PowerPoints. <laughs> it's more Jack London than it is Sergey Brin. There we met Kim Chambers, a woman who took a potentially devastating leg injury and turned it into a career as one of the world's most accomplished open water swimmers. In just eight short years, she went from not having swum since she was 10 years old to completing one of the most difficult feats of endurance athletics anywhere, the Ocean 7. Over the course of two years, from 2012 to 2014, she swam the Cook Strait in her native New Zealand, braved tiger sharks in the Molokai Channel in Hawaii, then swam the English Channel, the Tsugaru Strait in Japan, the Catalina Channel in Southern California, and crossed the Straits of Gibraltar. Her final swim from Ireland to Scotland proved, however, her most treacherous. And it's the one I wanted to talk about today. As with her previous swims, Kim, who by day works as a community engagement ambassador at software company Adobe, trained heavily. She typically gets up at 5 a.m., drives from her home in San Francisco across the Golden Gate Bridge to Marin to swim in a pool before returning across the bridge to the South End, where she gets into the cold waters of the San Francisco Bay, sands wetsuit, and clocks some more water time. The no wetsuit thing is important. In a in addition to just giving you some badass boasting rights, <laughs> it's one of the requirements of the Ocean 7. But to prepare for the 53-degree water temperatures of the North Channel, she had to take it a step further. I hadn't taken a warm shower for six months. I'd done these long training swims, and all you want to do is just have the warmth of a shower and a sauna, and I avoided all of that. I bought a kiddie pool that I filled with ice and a hose from the garden, and I would sit in there until I was frozen. So I was training my body to warm myself up and to tell myself I'm not cold. She also added weight, like, like a bunch of weight, to her 5'11 frame. She filled out to 195 pounds. I had back fat, yeah. uh, but that saved my life. You see, when you fill out like that, you develop different kinds of fat. Brown fat and white fat. White fat is like insulation, but brown fat has mitochondria in it, which generates heat to keep your body warm. A ballerina in her youth, she looked, as she so eloquently put it, like a Russian weightlifter. But it had a purpose. Um, and I, I, when I go for a goal, I give it absolutely everything I can give it. And for these goals, if it meant being a little bit uncomfortable with, you know, 50 extra pounds on my body, that was what I was willing to do. It was the last of her Ocean 7 swim, and she was willing to risk everything. And that didn't change when experts told her there had been unusual blooms of lion's mane jellyfish that season. And yes, they are as kind of scary as they sound. Um, 
They have bells, these gelatinous bells that are the size of a mini car tire. And they have tentacles that stretch 12 to 15 feet and waft gracefully through the water until, of course, you come in contact with them, at which point they sting like crazy. The night of the attempt, the current was favorable, but right before she got ready to jump in, her support team had a message for her. If she got stung in the first hour, her chances of completing the 30-mile swim were very slim. I ended up getting stung hundreds of times. Um, there is a video of me, I guess my crew described it as landmines, just landmines of jellyfish everywhere. So I wasn't even swimming for the last part of the swim. I was in the water and they were like, okay, Kim, they blow a whistle. I'd swim, they blow a whistle, and I knew to stop because there'd be a jellyfish in front of me. And they'd be like, okay, Kim, move to your left, move to your left. No, Kim, move to your right, move to your right. And this is how they navigated me through these jellyfish. I got stung over and over and over again. Though she was able to see Scotland, she, she could even smell the grass of Scotland. She was having trouble breathing, and her body was getting very, very cold, which it shouldn't have been, given her training. But she knew that if she told her crew she couldn't breathe, they'd pull her. So she just adjusted her stroke instead to, to make it look like she could still breathe. And after 13 hours and six minutes, she touched the rocks of Scotland. And then I don't remember finishing. I don't remember um, touching the rocks. I've got all the photos. I've got, you know, I had an observer on the boat and all of that. But what was supposed to be this momentous occasion of becoming, you know, the sixth person in history to complete the Ocean Seven, the first New Zealander, the third woman, um, just didn't even exist. A few hours later, she was sipping from a glass of champagne at the bed and breakfast in Scotland while taking her first hot shower in months. And she began having difficulty breathing again. She was rushed to the hospital and, and put in a respiratory ward overnight for observation. After the doctors there cleared her to travel, she landed back in San Francisco and immediately had to go back to the hospital. She ended up spending a week in the cardiac ward. She had developed pulmonary edema, which means that she had built up fluid around her heart and in both her lungs caused by the toxicity of the jellyfish. The recovery from that swim was long, and there were those that second-guessed her judgment for pushing through at such extreme personal risk. They wondered whether she'd keep going after open water records following that ordeal. Yeah, I think, um, I think people thought that, um, you know, this was all, this was over, and I think I did too, but yeah. I, I don't know, I, I, I wasn't done. Right. I had another swim that I needed to do. Right. And that swim would be a monumental one, far more dangerous than the one she had just completed. We talk about it, as well as Kim's relationship with risk, at length in next week's podcast. So tune in. We've got some sweet, ambient foghorn and seagull sounds with this next one to go with the interesting conversation. And uh, by the way, because we're, we're brand new, we got a Red Bull podcast page on Facebook. You can find it under that name, the Red Bull podcast. Uh, give us a like and uh, follow us. We've got all kinds of cool behind-the-scenes content on there, um, audiograms. We've got, we've got short videos. And it'll also give us a chance to hear from you. So, uh, so see you next time on Risk Made Me Do It.